given the name Jesus, the name given to him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So here we are a week after Christmas. Jesus is taken to the temple in Jerusalem. He's dedicated to God as required in the law of Moses. I want to look at this morning, I want to take about 15 minutes to just look at this requirement of the law of Moses. So my Bible has a reference note of where that law came from. So I flicked back to it. It's in uh, Exodus, I think. And it just talked about how somebody would bring their firstborn male and dedicate them to the Lord. And it goes through quite a, a, a lengthy list of requirements. Uh, so it got me thinking this week. I had nothing, nothing else to think about. So it got me on my mind down a certain track about this law of Moses and the, the systems that were in place even for Jesus as a newborn baby. I want to get you along for the ride, so I need to slow down here. I need to welcome you aboard my train of thought. And it's, it's this 2,000-odd this years of having what Moses introduced as... The bedrock, as what he said, goes. Why did that happen? Because he was the one in leadership at the time when what happened? God delivered them out of Egypt, slavery. This was the single most important event that ever happened to these people, was their delivery out of slavery, their delivery out of of Egypt. So important was this event that for the next 2000 years we see Jesus being dedicated Jesus being dedicated according to the rules and requirements that were introduced way back then by the leader of the day Moses. So important was this event of being delivered out of slavery that forevermore up until the point of Jesus they would go back to this event to remind themselves of God is our deliverer. Anytime they wanted to declare who God was, they described him in a certain way. He had a bunch of different names to describe himself, but they all related to this era where God delivered them out of Egypt. My God, uh, the Lord my deliverer. Oh, no. Are you going to just hang with me for a second? Where's my phone? Can I have my phone, please? Oh, it's in my back pocket. <laughs> the, uh, I'm borrowing somebody else's iPad, and it just died on me. And Well, it went off, and I've got to find the passcode. Yes, there it is. They text me the passcode, and now I'm back online. So this one event 
of being delivered from Egypt was the thing that they reminded themselves of for the next 2,000 years. Who are we and who is our God? We are God's chosen people. He delivered us out of Egypt. He is Jehovah Mephalati. My Lord, my deliverer. Right? The Lord, my deliverer. Jehovah Mephalati. There you go. This one event was their reference point for everything in their journey. But as a result, they always seemed to have to go back to that point to remember who they were, remember what God did for them. Think about this. 2,000 years on, they were still remembering something that occurred 2,000 years before. Like, that's pretty... That's a tall order, right? I mean, they were always had to look back. Even, even when God would introduce himself to somebody, he would use words like this, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even a thousand years on, he's still using those terms, reminding them of their, I'm the Lord of your ancestors. Always this turning back to the past to remember who God is was in the old covenant they are continually going back to the past think about how god introduced through moses the law of sacrificing animals for sin offerings right and people would come once a year and there'd be this great sacrifice that was given and but the thing was these animals were sacrificed for the sins of what sins in their lives, the ones that were committed in the past 12 months up to this point, they were made right so they could enter in and worship God. This is an era, this is an old covenant which keeps sort of turning back to the past, which keeps remembering the past. Even the sacrifices to make you right again were only ones that forgave you of your sins of the past. You get where I'm heading this morning? So Jesus comes along, changes the whole thing. Like there's not so much a turning back to the past anymore, but he gives a hope. Steve mentioned it this morning of our of when Steve's going to stuff up tomorrow. God's already forgiven him of that. Anyway, so I want to think about this this morning. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. This is where my main reading is going to come from this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. See, Paul was writing this letter to Hebrews in the New Covenant to a group of people who knew the law, who grew up being told what happened with their ancestors, how the Lord delivered them out of Egypt. This was their concept of who God was. And Paul writes this amazing letter to Hebrews and drags them out of the past, drags them out of the old covenant and sticks them into the new. It's really cool. I'm going to, this is a fair chunk of scripture here. We're going to read the first 18 verses of chapter 10. It's titled in my Bible, Christ's Sacrifice Once for All. 
The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once and for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of the sins, of their sins year after year. For it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Verse 8. First Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second one into effect. Are you okay with this this morning? It's not too heavy for the last Sunday of the year? Where'd we get to? For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made footstools under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with, the, with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he said, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. For when sins have been forgiven... There is no need to offer any more sacrifices. I'm so thankful for the book of Hebrews where Paul dives into this and explains it all and I get to read it 2,000 years later and go, wow, that's good. So Paul is dragging this group of people into the new covenant made through Christ. So good. Jesus calls for a new attitude. Psalm 46 describes God as an ever-present help. 
in times of need. Jesus is now not describing a God that you have to go back 2,000 years back to Egypt to see something that he has done for us. But he is now describing a God who is ever-present, every day, delivering us out of some form of Egypt, parting a sea for us to cross over, empowering us to fight the giants in front of us, every day, here and now, ever-present. How good is that? There's not anymore a continual going back, but one that calls us into a greater present and a glorious future. Paul describes in Philippians chapter 3, he uses that picture of running a race, and, and he says, I press on towards something. Paul is not facing Egypt anymore, thanking God that he is Paul's deliverer. He knows that. That's now in the past. Even the cross is now in the past, behind us. And Paul knows this, and he's focused on the future and moving forward. I want to challenge you as you wrap up your 2017 and you enter your 2018 to let your 2007 fall to the past and press on into 2018. Sound good? Oh, no, went off again. What's that code? Maybe that's a sign I should just finish it there. Here we go. Oh, look, I've got more notes. I'll keep going. <laughs> I've got here the, the car's rear vision mirrors, the great example of this. And you may have heard this before, but it sticks in my mind as a reminder. So I want to make it stick in yours. You know, like when you're driving a car, you, the size of your front windscreen is quite large in comparison to your rear vision mirror. Because that rear vision mirror is only meant to get a little glance at every now and then, am I right? So you can focus on where you're going, what you're looking forward to, where you are travelling, the road you are travelling. That should be our perspective in life. Not taking away the importance of what has happened, not only in Egypt, but even at Calvary. But we're not meant to just gaze and sit and look in this rear vision mirror. To the point that we're not really meant to sit and live at the foot of the cross. Oh, some of you didn't like that. But we're called to stand up from the cross, aren't we? And start heading forward again, pressing on toward the prize of what God has called us to do. We will go back to the cross, absolutely. Over and over again, we can do that and we can find forgiveness of our sins. But it's, we don't stay there. I've met some Christians that have camped at the cross. They live their life there. As a result, they're still as forgiven as I am, yet haven't achieved or aren't achieving what God is calling them to do because they feel the need to stay there. Anyway, I'm just challenging your thinking this morning. How are you doing? 
so what does that mean for us today? And I'm going to wrap up here. Listen, he is still Jehovah Mephalati. <laughs> he is still the Lord, our deliverer. But now when I say that term, Lord, you are my deliverer, my mind doesn't have to go back to my ancestors and your ancestors. Well, let's just assume they're our ancestors who have been delivered out of it. Our mind doesn't have to go back to a one-off event because the Lord is my ever-present help in time of need. So now when I confess him as my deliverer, I'm giving him the power and the authority to come and deliver me out of my situation that I'm in now because I'm not in Egypt anymore. Do you understand me? I don't need to be delivered like the children of Israel Israel needed to be delivered in that way. I need to be delivered in a different way. It's a new time. It's a new year. My 2018 is going to require deliverance from the from God in a way that is different to my past deliverance from God. And Jesus has come to now not have to refer back to this God of this era, but to, to show us we can walk with Him day in and day out. Now, He can be our deliverer. He can part seas for us. When we've come, using this analogy still, when we've come to our Red Sea, there's nowhere else to go in life. Now, I don't know. I'm hoping you're not just caught up in this picture of standing at this. I'm hoping when I'm describing this, you were thinking of a current situation in your life where there is no way forward. That it just looks like drowning is inevitable. But God can part that sea for you. He can make a way for us. I don't know if you're standing before giants in your so-called promised land. I don't know the, the big scary ogre that you are facing in your life right now. But God is the one who can empower us to not only remember how he defeated giants in Canaan, but how he can cause us to stand up and take on those mountains, those giants that we're faced with right now in our life because he is our ever-present help in time of need. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over your 2018 that he will be your deliverer, your provider, that he will make a way for you, that you will not have to be bound to the past, but you'll be set free to be focused on the goal ahead and press on like Paul was pressing on. Move forward. Every day he'll be with you from here on in this year. Not he'll catch you at the end of 2018 and ask, how did that year go for you? No, every day, ever present, in every situation, why don't you close your eyes? Lord, I pray over every single person in this room this morning that you would make a way for them. We all declare together that you are the Lord, our deliverer, the Lord, our provider, and you will make a way for us this year. We thank you for the cross. We receive everything that you died for, but we use it 
for purpose as we press on into what you've called us to do this year. Lord, I pray your anointing over every single person in the house this morning, that they'd be filled by your Spirit because you are ever-present here in this moment, in this service. You are here right now. We receive your anointing for 2018. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for God just to thank Him for what He has done. Lord, you are so good. So good. So good. Well, thank you all for coming this morning. I believe we've got some hot drinks and some food and stuff out there. So no need to rush off if you don't have anything on. If you're like me and haven't got a clue what is happening this week, just hang out. There's some good people here. You'll have fun. We'll see you Friday at the Olive Tree. The doors open at 9 a.m. See you there. God bless.